This is Radio Influence. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Of course, I am your host, Vincent Hill, coming to you right here exclusively on RadioInfluence.com as I do each and every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, and available for downloads immediately after the show on iTunes. Hey, I gotta tell you, I'm just back from a cruise to the Bahamas. I sailed out of Orlando, Port Canaveral this past Thursday. I was out there on the ocean in the Bahamas for the last four days. I went by myself. I needed some soul searching. I needed to refocus, regroup, and reinvent, and that's exactly what I did. Uh, I spent a little bit of probably too much money on myself, but it's very rare that I actually treat myself to anything, and I did this past four days. I was out in Nassau. The weather was lovely. It was beautiful. Uh, It was the first time I'd gone on a cruise ever by myself, but it was something that I very well needed just to get away and cleanse my mind, cleanse my soul, cleanse my spirit, and that's exactly what I did. Now, while I was gone, I heard of, and of course, you know, the cruises have satellite TV, so you watch the news, and there was the story about the bridge on 85, which is actually not too far from my place, that actually uh, was set on fire, it collapsed, and now, as if Atlanta didn't have enough traffic problems, uh, for the next several months, there's going to be huge traffic delays in Atlanta. Apparently, there was a homeless guy who set uh, fire under the bridge. The fire spread pretty quickly. Uh, it was dry. There was a lot of construction material that caught on fire. Fire crews tried and tried and tried and tried to put it out to no avail. I think finally what happened is they called the airport fire department who came and put it out with that special foam that they have. But at any rate, if you're in the Atlanta area or if you plan on traveling in the Atlanta area, just know that certain parts of Interstate 85 will be closed down for the next several months. Now, I go off, I go to this cruise, I cleanse my mind, and I come back on Sunday. And by Monday, I have to hear about a Texas police officer being shot and killed ambush style. And this happened in Harris County, just outside of Houston. Uh, And apparently this officer, Clint Greenwood, had told officials just last week that he felt threatened by a man uh, that he once targeted in a corruption investigation. So police are chasing leads. Uh, They did release a little bit of surveillance footage of the uh, supposed getaway vehicle. It doesn't actually show the shooting, but they believe that the suspect was driving off in this vehicle. He's described as a white male or Hispanic male, about six foot to six foot three with short hair and a stocky build. Now, of course, in Harris County, Texas, that describes a whole lot of people. So what I would ask is if you know anything, please speak up. There is a $50,000 reward uh, that's being offered in this case through Crime Stoppers. So if you're in the Harris County, Texas area, If you know something, if you've heard something, no clue is a dumb clue. The only clue that's a dumb clue is the one you do not 
turn over to police. It's very important that police find this accused cop killer and get him off the street. His family, this officer's family, Clint Greenwood's family, deserves justice for losing their loved one for something silly, whether it was this corruption case, what, whatever it was, it doesn't matter. If you know something, say something. Call Crime Stoppers, Harris County, Texas. Now, switching gears from Texas to Oklahoma, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma to be exact. Uh, you probably remember last September where a uh, Terrence Crutcher, an unarmed black man, was shot and killed by a Tulsa police officer, Betty Jo Shelby. Now, she's set to go to trial, I believe, in May. But on this past Sunday, and I didn't get a chance to watch the entire thing, but I did watch uh, some snippets of it. This past Sunday, she did an interview with 60 Minutes. And personally, I don't know why she would do that before this is going to trial, because, of course, now anything she said on that show can be used against her, used for her, however you want to put it. Anything she said can be used in court now. But anyway, she tells her story. And one of the most important things, and of course, they had Terrence Crutcher's family on there, his attorney, who says it's all about race. Uh, one of the most important things that she said was uh, race had nothing to do with her final decision to pull the trigger. And she talks about the initial encounter with Terrence Crutcher before she actually sees his broken down vehicle. She's on her way to a domestic violence call. She sees this individual in the street who she says looks zombified, which she articulates and relates to someone being under the influence of PCP based on her experience. She's been a police officer for over 10 years in the city of Tulsa, Oklahoma. She's dealt with people who are under the influence of PCP. So at any rate, she goes to the domestic violence call. I don't know exactly how long she had been there, but as she's coming back, she sees the Lincoln Navigator in the middle of the street. Now, if you've watched the video, which was on every major media network for several months, you can see it was a two-lane street, and essentially this car, this truck, was blocking both lanes of travel. So what she says you don't see in the video is what happened in the minutes before the shooting. And part of it was when she initially approached him, she didn't think there was a threat. She said she saw the vehicle. She looked inside of it. The windows were down. No one was in the vehicle. Then she sees the individual she had just seen several minutes before walking towards her. She says, hey, sir, not being combative or anything. Hey, sir, is this your vehicle? He proceeds to put his hands in his pockets, which I can believe. People do that all the time when they're dealing with police. She says, as any law enforcement officer would say, especially one that's about 5'6", and this guy's about 6'2", 300 pounds, hey, sir, please take your hands out of your pocket. He then takes his hands out of his pockets, and you've seen the video, he puts his hands over his head. Now, all the while, any officer will tell you, black, white, Chinese, whatever, any officer will tell you, once an individual is outside of the vehicle and you are still conducting your investigation to find out what is going on, the last thing you want is for that individual to get in the vehicle, reach in the vehicle, or anything 
relating to the vehicle, right? So you see the video. He's walking with his hands up. She's given commands. Stop. Stop. He's not complying to commands. Now, it's really hard to see in the video, but you can see it. At one point, his right arm drops as if he's going into the window trying to open the door or whatever. At that moment, she says, I believed he was reaching in that vehicle for a weapon. Why is that hard for people to believe? Here's a guy who she encountered before. She said, oh, he looks like he may be on PCP. He had his hands in his pocket previously, which is a danger zone to police. He's walking back to the vehicle, which he still hasn't said was it his vehicle or whatever. He's walking back to the vehicle, not listening to commands of stop, stop, stop. And then he makes a furtive movement. Why is that hard to believe that this officer at that exact moment thought he was going for a weapon? And the officer made another good point when she was on 60 Minutes. She said, hey, I work in a very high crime area where we get shots, fired calls on a regular basis. She didn't think it was just a simple abandoned vehicle. That, to me, is not hard to articulate and not hard to understand because I've worked in high crime areas and I've seen vehicles parked in the middle of the street. And it's usually someone up to no good or, unfortunately, I've come across a few dead bodies where people have been shot inside the vehicle and they're left in the middle of the street. So, so far, everything this officer has said is reasonable and makes sense to me. She goes on to say, What I based everything on was his actions, his behaviors. Race had nothing to do with my decision-making. Now, let's talk about those actions and behaviors. On first contact, he does something no officer wants anyone to do. He puts his hands in his pocket. Then he takes his hands out. Remember several weeks ago, maybe a few months ago, where I told you one of the biggest fights I got on, and the guy kept reaching in his pockets, and little did I know he had the lottets in there that he began to eat, which made him basically Superman. It's the danger zone. No officer wants a suspect, a subject, a citizen to put their hands in their pockets when they're dealing with them. So that's one action, one behavior. The next is he's not complying to her commands to stop. And I'll get into that here in a little bit of why I believe that happened. He's not complying to her commands to stop. So what do you think is going through her mind right now? Her adrenaline has just shot up even higher. Her sense that something could go wrong really quick has just shot up much higher. And now he's at his vehicle, another danger zone, a huge danger zone. Let's say he got in, took off, pursuit uh, engages, and he kills five people. Danger zone. Let's say he gets in, throws it in reverse, runs the officer over. Danger zone. Let's say he gets in pulls out a semi-automatic or an automatic weapon and kills three officers. Danger zone. So those actions are what this officer in Tulsa based her decision to pull the trigger on. She was able to articulate, even though she's charged with manslaughter, I think she'll still be able to articulate, even watching the video, 
And, you know, there's been speculation, there's been accusation that one of the uh, helicopter pilots says, oh, this guy looks like a bad guy. And of course, now that's being used as some kind of race thing. But his actions, it was his actions. He was acting like a bad guy, not following commands, evading the officer. That's what he was doing. He wasn't running. He was still actively evading the officer. That's what a bad guy does. And guess what they found in his system? Just like the officer said, PCP. He was under the influence of PCP. Could that have been a reason he was trying to get away? Absolutely. So the other officer that shows up, uh, Tyler Turnbow, whose dash cam actually captured this, says when he approached, he could actually hear Betty Joe giving Mr. Crutcher the commands, stop, get on the ground, don't go back to your car. Now, when he approaches this other officer, they're several feet from his car. So Mr. Crutcher had plenty of opportunity to stop right then, get on the ground, and comply with the officer's commands. I've said it, and I'll say it again. Compliance will send you home at the end of the day. Non-compliance will usually end up in some type of use of force. It's inevitable. That is the nature of policing. If you comply with my commands, I don't need to use any force against you. If you don't comply with my commands, I'm going to have to use force against you to effectively make my arrest. Or if the opportunity presents itself, and the threat or the presumed threat of imminent bodily injury or death is there, I'm going to act with deadly force. You know why this case isn't about race? Because remember what the officer said. Now, this is a white 42-year-old female officer married to a white officer in Tulsa, Oklahoma. But remember what she said. She works high crime areas. But this is the first time she works predominantly black areas, but this is the first time ever in 10 years she's ever pulled the trigger on an individual. So if she was so racist, and if this whole thing was about race, in those 10 years of dealing with the black community, in those 10 years of dealing with a whole bunch of Terrence Crutchers and Michael Browns and Freddie Grays, don't you think if she was so racist, she would have shot a few other black people? Before September of 2016, just let that set in for one second. If it was about race, where are the complaints of civil rights violations? Where are the complaints that she used the N-word? Where are the complaints that she was racist towards individuals in the community? There aren't any because this case, like she said, has nothing to do with race. It has to do with Terrence Crutcher's actions. So this this reporter, Bill Whitaker, on CBS 60 Minutes, who's black, he said something that, you know, I don't know if his producers told him to ask or what, but he says, do you think I could shoot him in the leg? I could shoot him in the foot. Is there anything else you could have done? Now, classic police officer response was, no, I'm not trained to shoot someone in the foot. We don't train to be cowboys and to be like what they show on the movies. Remember I've said that? 
This isn't bad boys with Will Smith shooting people in the leg, leg from 100 yards out. When you believe the threat is there, you eliminate the threat. Plain and simple. If Terrence Crutcher would have gotten shot in the leg or in the foot, it would have been because this officer was off target. Not because she was aiming at the leg or the foot. It would have been because she was off target. At the very end of the uh, the interview, Bill Whitaker asked, what would have changed things? And I, I love uh, Betty Shelby's response. And I will quote it. It says, if he would have complied, if he would have communicated with me, if he would have just done as I asked him to do, we would not be here. You and I would never have met and no one, no one would even ever know my name. And that goes back to what I always say, compliance versus defiance. If you defy what I'm telling you to do, what I'm ordering you to do, I believe there's a reason that you're doing this, whether you're trying to escape whether you're trying to do me bodily harm, whatever your reason, there's a reason that you're doing it. Whether you're under the influence, there's a reason that you're doing it. And my job is to protect the community, to protect myself, and to protect fellow officers. And I believe Betty Jo Shelby is 100% correct. Had Mr. Terrence Crutcher just complied last September 2016, and stopped, he had ample time to stop, and got on the ground, things would have been a lot different. Now, let's flip it a little bit, and let's open some minds here. Now, when this goes to trial, there's several things that are going to come into play from the defense attorney of this officer. One of those is going to be Terrence Crutcher's criminal history. Shooting with intent to kill. Resisting arrest. DUI. Driving while suspended. So let's just say that Terrence Crutcher was trying to get away, get back in his car because he knew his license was suspended. Or he knew he was under the influence because he had already done PCP and he didn't want this officer to find out. But let's take it a little further, because I, remember, I always say when people don't want to comply with the com police, when they're defiant, police usually think they have something to hide because they usually do. Now, it could have been the five warrants that were just issued just two weeks before his death that were still active that Terrence Crutcher didn't want Betty Joe Shelby to find out about. Maybe his intent, maybe just maybe his intent was to get in his truck. And for whatever reason in his mind, maybe because he was under the influence, he thought, well, since I didn't run from the police, if I get in my car and drive away, they won't chase me. Well, that would have been the furthest thing from the truth, because at that point, the police were trying to figure out what was going on. It was an active investigation. So if he would have got in his truck and sped off, he would have had a high speed pursuit, which, again, would have put the public in danger. So. A defense attorney, when this goes to trial for this manslaughter, Betty Jo Shelby's defense attorney is going to factor all of this in, and it's going to play into his mindset. Now, let's think back to Ferguson with Michael Brown and the whole hands up 
don't shoot. And they're comparing this to, to Michael Brown because his hands were up. Well, let's look at the evidence. Let's look at the mindset that that grand jury saw of Michael Brown. Even with the new video that has nothing to do with the shooting, let's look at the video of him in the store being aggressive, being physical with the store cloak clerk and the call going out as a robbery. That played into the grand jury's mindset of what Michael Brown was thinking and how he was acting just before he died. So you don't think this is going to play out in court here in Tulsa? That this individual had a history of driving under the influence, driving on a suspended license. He had active warrants. Maybe he was trying to get away from this officer and was refusing her commands. Of course that's going to come out in court. Of course. And it's not a smear campaign against Terrence Crutcher, because at the end of the day, no officer wants to kill an individual, and I'm not condoning that he's dead. But what I am saying is that you cannot ignore things like that. When you've been in those situations, when you've chased people because they have warrants, when you've fought people because they've had warrants and they don't want to go to jail, you can understand why that would make him not comply with that officer. But hey, I'm not a jury, I'm not a grand jury, I'm not a judge, nor am I an attorney. But I got a pretty good track record. Ferguson, Baltimore, I called it, and I've said it, these officers aren't getting off because of race. They're getting off because of the law. And that officer did not break the law. And it's unfortunate that she got made an example of, just like those officers in Baltimore did. Because just before this, remember, Charlotte was in an uproar because a black police officer shot a black man who had a gun. So guess what? In Tulsa, well, let's charge this white officer with manslaughter for killing this black man to make sure our city doesn't burn, to make sure there's no riots going on in Tulsa. And that's what happened. But I'll be interested to see what happens in the trial. If I had to guess, if I had to put money on it, I would say she's not going to be found guilty. I've watched the video. I've watched it a hundred times. I've watched it in slow motion. I can see his hand drop. And to me, had I been in that situation, I probably would have thought the exact same thing. You know why I know that? Because I have been in that situation. And guess what I thought the individual was doing? Going for a gun. All right, it's about time for me to wrap up. I got to get ready to get out of here. I got a plane to catch to the Big Apple. I'll be up there for the next few days doing some things like I always do. I'm on vacation, but I'm not really on vacation. Um, but before I go, I really want to tell everyone, hey, listen, please be careful out there. Uh, I don't know if you've heard in, on the news. I'm sure you have by now. There was a, a suicide bombing at a subway station in Russia. And I know you're saying, oh, it's Russia. It's so far away. But this is what these terrorist groups do. They target soft targets. And if you don't know what a soft target is, it's places like a train station, a public transportation area where there's thousands of people at any given time with really no security. 
because it's a soft target. So if you're out and about, always be on your P's and Q's. Be careful. If you're traveling abroad, definitely be careful. Watch everyone. I don't care what they look like. Watch everyone because no terrorist looks identical to the 9-11 terrorist. If you don't believe me, just watch. No terrorist looks identical to Osama bin Laden. If you don't believe me, just watch. And that ain't a line from a song. That's the truth. All right, it's time for uh, my 10-7 segment. And of course, I talked about him at the very beginning of the show, so it's only fitting that I honor him right now. Assistant Chief Deputy Clinton Greenwood, Harris County Constable's Office, Precinct 3. End of watch was Monday, April 3rd, 2017. Assistant Chief Deputy Clint Greenwood was shot and killed behind the agency's headquarters building in the 700 block of West Baker Road in Baytown at approximately 7 a.m. It is believed he was shot from an ambush as he arrived for work. He was flown to the Memorial Harriman Hospital where he succumbed to his wounds. The subject who shot him remains at large. Assistant Chief Deputy Greenwood had served in law enforcement for 30 years. He had previously served with the Harris County Sheriff's Office, Harris County uh, Precinct 4 Constable's Office, and Harris County's District Attorney's Office. Assistant Chief Deputy Greenwood was a graduate of the 263rd session of the FBI National Academy. Again, if you have any information regarding the shooter, the killer of this police officer, you're encouraged to call the Harris County Police, Harris County Crime Stoppers. Call anybody you can. Call your mama and tell her. But we need to find this cop killer before he strikes again. I want to thank him for his service, Clinton Greenwood, for 30 years of service to the community. Godspeed to you. My prayers to your family. I want to thank you for listening as always, as I do every week. Thank you. I appreciate you. I love you. And I'll see you next week right here. Radioinfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. Hey guys and gals, this is Ian Beckles. You may know me from my nine seasons in the NFL or from listening to me in sports radio for years. But now you get to see and hear the real me, uncensored me and also unfiltered as well on my new podcast, Ian Beckles, Flavoring Your Ear. What's flavoring your ear? I'll tell you what it is. It's a whole lot of fun. Food, fashion, sports, sex, politics, and my personal adventures as well. And a whole lot more food. Make sure to check out Ian Beckles, Flavoring Your Ear, each Friday on iTunes, Stitcher, Radio and RadioInfluence.com.